it. So what was your biggest fear when you were a child? Weirdly, it was also my fascination, uh, dinosaurs. Oh. Yeah, I would, uh, actually, you've seen those pillowcases I have that had the dinosaurs on them. It's so cute. Uh, yeah, but I would have, like, regular nightmares about them, like, growing from underneath the kitchen table in my grandparents' house and, like, killing all of us. Ooh. Yeah. Spooky. Very. We did grow up in the Jurassic Park era. Yeah, I guess it's come exactly. back now. Yeah. Um, but the original. Right, yeah, that was 93 or something like that. And yeah, so you, you and I definitely... Uh, <laughs> Grew up the age of dino- dinosaurs. I mean, there was also that show... There, there were several shows. I mean, we had fucking Barney. We had... <laughs> Ugh, I hated Barney. We had... Um, but there was a show called Dinosaurs that was amazing. That's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking that of. That has a very, very dark ending. Yes, very dark. Um, but yeah, we were like... We grew up in like the age of like fascination about dinosaurs absolutely yeah oh we are back land before time yeah like so Mm -hmm. many things we love to dinosaurs truly still do think they're fascinating they're dope how about you um strangely enough like well okay it it depends on what depends on what uh version of myself like what uh year i was like when I was really young during nap time, I thought that there was, I was convinced there was a goat in my closet and that really bothered me. Um, I'd make my mom like check the closet. So I was like, there's, a there's a goat in there. A goat. And it really bothered me. Not like LeBron James goat. Like, no, no, no. Like a, like a, an like a animal, goat. a billy goat, a scary one. Black Phillip was in there. Um, now he's your boyfriend. I love Black Phillip. So cute. And then when I was older, I was afraid of getting abducted. I watched that movie about Emily Smart where she gets abducted. Oh, wow. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like a really shitty like Lifetime movie, I'm pretty sure. But it it depicted like when she like got abducted. And after that, I was like, I was like, someone's going to abduct me. And my mom was always like, nobody wants you. Like, why would (laughs) like, why are you afraid of this? Absolute savage. I know. Oh, that's good. (laughs) <laughs> hey babe yeah babe remember that time we watched censor you mean the 2021 horror movie about censoring things <laughs> <laughs> sounds stupid but it was good no no it was good i'm nicole i'm topher and we're the horror babes absolutely correct here to bring horror right to your headphones or mm-hmm. whatever you're listening maybe it's a little speaker too. a cute little speaker but anyway just in case you're new here, we'll be doing the normal format, which means Topher will take us through who made this thing, shout out the cast and crew, and then I'll take us through the plot, and then in our final installment, we will discuss said plot. Yes. So Topher, who made this thing? A pretty new director. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's the first time ever, but it's one of the few times we've been able to say this. Directed and written by a woman. Yay! And, right? <laughs> also shot by a woman. Yay! Right? And the music was by a woman. Yeah, like, come on, this is great. So, yeah, this was uh, the debut feature from Prano Prano. I actually, I did not look up how to say her name because I'm a hack and a fraud. Uh, But Prano Bailey Bonds. She wrote it with Anthony Fletcher, uh, who you probably wouldn't know either. Um, This is, he did this, his his first feature was called The Boat People, which I've never heard of. And then the rest of uh, his work has been shorts up until now with censor it stars i'm gonna butcher some names here <laughs> do your best that's all we ask yeah well it stars niam algar as enid baines our censor 
Um, she's a pretty new actor to the game. This is she hasn't done too too many features, um, but she was in that show from a few years ago, uh, the bisexual. Mm-hmm. Because there's only one. There can only be one. There can only be one. <laughs> We've got Sophia Laporta as Alice Lee. She's kind of our like. Uh, Abductee. Yes, in a couple of ways. Uh, but she's like a B, B version of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. We've got Adrian Schiller as Frederick North, the director. Mysterious man. Very mysterious. We have Michael Smiley as the creepy producer, Doug creepy. Smart. Um, her co-workers, Nicholas Burns as Sanderson, Vincent Franklin as Fraser, Claire Perkins as Anne, and Felicity Montague as Valerie. Uh, it's funny, um, there's a little cameo uh, from Prana Bailey Bond as Bloodied Woman and Rejected Video Nasty. <laughs> oh, man, that's a great name. Right? Like... I want to name our kids that. I would kill to have that on my resume. <laughs> Music was from Amelie Levinez Farouche. Annika Summerson, a Swedish DP here for our cinematographer. And editing was by Mark Towns. Nice. Yeah. 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 So yeah, this came out uh, right at a year ago, January 28th of 2021 at the Sundance Film Festival. Nice. Um, it received the Millier d'Or for the best European fantastic film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is from the UK. Prano Bailey Bond is a Welsh director and writer. Um, so yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, yeah, it got, a, it's, it got its wide release on Hulu um, in August of 2021. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it lists the box office as 128000 I don't have any information on the budget, but it's box office for any movie that came out after March 2020. I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a, I don't know. It, it's kind of turned into a less relevant number. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, it's always one of those things of like some of our favorite films have just fucking bombed at the box office. A thing bombed at the box office, you know? Yeah, and it's, I mean, especially in this uh Genre, I I would say more so than the others. You kind of, you can have a after a twenty year after something twenty years after something was in theaters can turn into a cult classic. We've seen that happen a hundred thousand times. Yeah, with horror films. So like, yeah, it it already was a pretty just you know, it's it's a fun fact I guess, but it's it's always been a little irrelevant, and now it's even more relevant with people not you know people are going to movies now, but you know right. Not. Still back and forth. Still back and forth. Yeah, it's 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 always a question of whether you should or not. Right. Um, yeah, it's got a nice tight runtime of eighty four minutes. Yep. And yeah, um, I've talked enough. What happens in this movie? So, we're in nineteen eighty five. It's nineteen eighty five. You would only really know by the clothing, and the fact that Thatcher is everywhere. Yeah. True. Enid Baines, as you already introduced to us, works for the British Board of Film Classification during the height of the video nasty controversy, which I just kind of love that for video nasty. Right. So, yeah, the video nasty thing was like um, Britain's satanic panic. Yes. Basically, like where we had everybody thinking that Dungeons and Dragons were going to pervert their kids, as my computer background always reminds me. Yeah. Um, They had these like very strict moral panicky censorship laws yeah um about anything imported into the uk um or made in the uk but yeah right. it's like all these like um yeah like b b horror films right mm-hmm. 
that are all because videotape had become a thing. It got really cheap to make movies. Yeah. And you could do it really fast. So this is like your like your Toxic Avenger shit, your mm-hmm. um, Troll 2 shit, your like all of the you, you know the type of movie we're talking about. Yeah. So Enid's co-workers call her Little Miss Perfect because she's very strict in recommending what violent content should be cut or banned. Yeah, we see her writing on a notepad a lot and it's a like lot. full pages. Yeah. <laughs> So while Enid is having dinner with her parents at at her home, they discuss the disappearance of Enid's sister Nina when the two were little. Enid's parents have since declared Nina legally dead, but Enid is convinced that her sister is still missing. Yeah, she absolutely refuses to buy it. Mm -hmm. Mainly because because she was with Nina when she disappeared. Yeah, we only get fragments of what happened, yeah. Yeah, we'll go into that psychological um, trauma in a moment. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So then shortly after a man murders his wife and children, a tabloid newspaper links the killings to a film Enid had raided several months prior, naming her as the censor who approved it. Yeah, it's her and her co-worker who's a piece of shit. Yeah, and they're both like, how did they How did they even know it was us? You yeah. know, they just named, named them. Um, Enid then starts to receive phone calls threatening and insulting her on a regular basis. And then one day Enid is approached by Doug Smart, who is a film producer who claims that a veteran horror director named Frederick North has personally requested that she screen one of his old films, Don't Go in the Church. During the screening, Enid notices that events depicted parallel her memories of her sister's disappearance. Mm -hmm. It's when one of the shoe drops. (laughs) Yeah, it's when we really start getting, like, the uh, ins and outs of Enid's psyche uh, psyche and uh, how it's maybe not doing so great. Yep. So then, investigating North further by acquiring a copy of one of his banned films, Enid notices that the film's lead, Alice Lee, bears a resemblance to her missing sister. Yeah, she goes to her parents and is like, it's exactly what the police sketchup looked like, where she would look, what she would look like now. This and then is it this reveals, woman. they reveal that this isn't the first time she's done this. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Her parents are like, oh, God, not this bullshit again. Yeah. They get in a fight and like Enid freaks out. But yeah. Yeah. So then what is Enid left to do but become obsessed with meeting North, believing that Lee is her missing sister and needs to be saved from the exploitation film industry? It's just. Ugh. Yeah. So then when Enid visits Smart, hoping to learn North's whereabouts, he tells her that North is making a sequel to Don't Go in the Church Near His Home and attempts to have sex with Enid. Enid rejects Smart. It's a very creepy scene. Um, yeah. Causing him to become more aggressive before Enid, Enid pushes and accidentally kills him. This is where the film really pops off. Like You and I were both sitting there going like, it's good, but like nothing's happening. We're spending a lot of time in the pre here. When's something going to happen? And then he's like showing off the shitty award he got, sets it on the coffee table. She pushes him away and it goes straight out of his mouth. Yep. From the back of his head. It's awesome. It is great. It was, it got a, a visceral reaction from both of us. Yep. We yelled. <laughs> we, we yelled. I'll admit it. We yelled. <laughs> um, so then after stealing North's address from her work, Enid finds the set of North's latest film where he and the crew assume her to be an actress. Yeah, she's like rolls up to the trailer and she's like, I'm looking for the Frederick North film starring Alice Lee. Is mm-hmm. this it? And she's like, get in here. And like everybody's like looking around. She's the like, makeup artist. Yeah. yeah. Like you're late. 
that apparently half the uh, half the actors haven't showed yet and blah blah blah. Yeah. During a climactic scene, Enid kills an actor named Charles with an axe, <laughs> thinking that he was going to hurt her quote unquote sister. A terrified Alice flees from Enid as she begs for Alice to please be her before collapsing in the woods. A remote control appears in Enid's hands or in her hand and she presses a button. Enid is awoken by a seemingly happy version of her sister, thanking Enid for finding her. Nina and Enid leave the woods and drive to their parents' home. During the drive, the car radio announces that all violent films have been banned, crime has been eradicated, and unemployment no longer exists. (laughs) (laughs) The radio broadcast is so silly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Enid's fantasy is sporadically interrupted, revealing that she has kidnapped Alice, who is begging Enid's parents for help as Enid smiles. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, roll uh, credits. Yeah. I've got, I don't even really know where to begin. Um, I, so I love the plot of this. I love the idea. I love the plot. Of the, this movie. the idea of it is really fucking cool. It's and really like, cool. I was telling, I was telling our roommate about it and he was like, that's an awesome premise. And it's really cool because it, so it takes on your a very familiar horror plot, but makes it but has a new spin on it and makes it completely different. Um, taking on that you know that typical horror plot where you aren't really sure what the actual reality is because you don't have a reliable narrator. So just like Saint Maud that we covered two weeks ago, mm-hmm. this movie. We don't have a reliable narrator. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. We don't we don't know what's real. We don't know what is made up and what is perceived incorrectly through um, Edith's eyes. Yeah. So I think that's actually a good comparison, right? Um, this movie, it, it, it does give you the unreliable narrator. It doesn't give you enough context right to understand what's going on and not and not in like a like unreliable narrator great let's do that sure down it's 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 the knowing what's going on like i need to understand what the plot of this movie is Mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not she's correct about what's happening right you know yeah and that's that's where i felt this movie fell short and saint maud really succeeded that's yeah that's that's fair because this movie while I was I was entertained and I enjoyed it and all of these things it certainly has its issues and yeah like the scripting isn't yeah the scripting is a little rough um, particularly in the dialogue it, and it's the pacing of it too mm-hmm. where the first act of this movie takes forever and then the second and third acts just happen. Yeah, it's almost like we have an hour of the first act and then we have like 15, 20 minutes of the second and third act. Yeah, it really feels that way. And like we don't we don't get enough of what happened when they were kids. That would have been more interesting to have in the first act. Yeah, we only get flashes of it. And I like that as a device sometimes. But this felt um, like it needed more. I needed more history. I needed this film to feel more lived in than it mm-hmm. does. You know what I mean? It's very hand wavy when it comes to Enid's past, which is the main f- driving force of the movie. And that's why I think it's kind of irresponsible almost to not have it in there. 
Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do. I do appreciate how they characterize Enid in the beginning of this movie because you do you do trust her from the start. You kind of just see her as this person who's like, oh, she has a good relationship with her parents. She or an okay one. She's sure. she, she talks to them and she's really hardworking at her job. Yeah. Um, you know, she she seems sad, but you kind of at first trust her. Yeah. They display her as a trustworthy person. She's dressed, you know, very... She's very conservatively dressed, yeah. Very conservatively dressed, which, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's what they're trying to say to us about her because she's working as a censor. Right. So she herself is censoring herself. You know what I mean? Exactly, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's across the board for her. Yeah, so we see her as just like a very mundane person, just a very like, you know... Like I said, kind of sad, but like... Kind of lonely. Kind of lonely, but she works... She clearly works very hard, and she takes pride in, you know, what she does, even though, you know, every, you people feel whatever, however way they want to about censorship. Sure. Um, you know, that's besides the point here. Um, she... So, at first, we trust her. We're thinking, like, mm-hmm. okay, well, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but, like, this person seems like a solid protagonist uh yeah, narr- reliable and reliable and then and then the second that her parents like i was even believing like oh my god i think that it, like this is going to be more of like a mystery like that's her sister that's her fucking sister yeah but you're then, really on board with you're Eden. on board with it and then the parents the second that the parents say not this again air leaves your fucking lungs at i was that like moment. i was like oh shit okay um so it is kind of fun in that way. Like I, my my attention span was there because of yeah. that. I was like, oh shit! And then you know it takes the left turn at the end, and 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 all of these things. So it was certainly entertaining. It does what it says on the tin. It was scary. It was psychologically thrilling. Like all mm-hmm. of those things. But yeah, like you were saying, the scripting isn't could have been better. Yeah, it's. The, the second, pacing could have been better too. Yeah, uh, it wasn't bad, but it could have been better. Yeah, if you're gonna have an act, a first act that that is that long, yeah, um, you really, really need to put more in it. Like nothing mm-hmm. happens. Nothing happens in that yeah. first act. Yeah, there and it's and the things that do happen have no real relevance to the plot. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing about her name being leaked to the press goes nowhere. Yeah. Other than to give us, like, that she's freaked out because we have a lot of paparazzi. Like, we have a lot of press, like, putting cameras in her face all the time. Yeah. But that's really all it does. Yeah. Even, like, there's the there's the bit where she's on the train or something like that. And she sees this guy's paper and it has her photo being in, um, uh, what is it, Gerald's videos. Yeah. It felt like a device to, like, develop this psychosis or something. Um, this paranoia. Right, but that's pre-existing, and so it just—it yeah. it didn't feel like anything to me. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's completely fair. And I don't know. I think she. I think. I think they. It was right to have something in there go wrong for her at her job because it brings up a lot of shit for her. Because yeah, she has to live with the fact that her sister went missing, or you know whatever happened when they were together. She knows that her parents kind of in the back of their minds blame her. Well, and we even get a scene where they explicitly do. Yes. So, so something plot device wise, like like something needed to happen there for shit to come up 
for her life to just go straight to hell. Yeah. So, so I get why that was in there because it brings up that trauma of can I do anything right? Sure. I'm but- I'm here to protect people. I'm here to protect my sister. She even says that, that at the end, like everything I've ever done is to protect you. So she went into yeah. this job where she wanted to protect, you know, quote unquote, protect people. That's what censorship, the people who believe in censorship are all about, right? Sure. Protect the children. That was a fun accent. I've never done that before. Um, So the fact that she's failed at both is an important thing to note about her character and to happen to her. But I also agree that it wasn't fleshed out. Yeah, yeah. Like, connect that thread for me. Don't make me do that, you know? Yeah. That's one of those things of, like... We talk about underwriting and overwriting a lot. Mm-hmm. That's way too underwritten. Yeah. And I think that's a lot. That's the problem with a lot of this movie. It's very underwritten, which is tempting to do when you're doing psychological horror, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to say, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you want to make it so that like everybody is guessing at what's really going on. Yeah. Give me more of that then. If that's what you're trying to do, give me more of that. We just talked about Eraserhead, right? Mm-hmm. Super underwritten movie because it's supposed to be. It's, it is like that is the point, right? Yeah. Um, that it is this like weird uh, surrealist melodrama. That's one thing. This is another. Like that's that's a good version of underwriting. This is a bad version of underwriting. Yeah. Not this... to say it's a bad movie, but this is like this is not how you underwrite. Yeah, because I mean, if you want to define like good movies, bad movies come in all all shapes and sizes, and we watch both. You know what I Absolutely, mean? Like yeah. we watch both and we enjoy both. Um, but I yeah. can barely go a week without mentioning Troll 2 on this podcast, and I fucking <laughs> love that movie. It's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. So I definitely agree that this movie could have benefited from having a little bit more fleshed out. I almost I almost wonder if this I almost wonder if this if this premise for like a psychological horror would have played out better in maybe um, a limited run like series. Sure, or even just a shorter film, like, right? It it, I think that's the problem. Is I think this was probably a short to feature. I didn't see that in like any of the production notes that I saw. Mm-hmm. But it feel it has the feeling of trying to flesh out a twenty page script into an eighty page script, you know? Yeah. Where the uh, the twenty minute version of this is awesome, right? The eighty minute version was a little weak in points. And yeah. it, just, it felt like they were just trying to expand on a small idea that should have stayed a small idea. That's fair. That's that's completely fair. All of this being said, though, for this being um, a, a debut. Yeah, this is her first feature. A, a first feature. Uh, this is this is pretty like this is enough for me to say I'm going to keep my eye on this. Oh yeah, she's something and, to watch out for. No question. Yeah, and and the next film that comes out with her name on it, I will I will be in that line to see She's it. She's bookmarked on IMDb for me already. I am ready for yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready for her next attempt. And it's you know, not everybody can be like fucking Raimi or Eggers or Carpenter or Kusama. Like you not everybody's debut feature knocks it out of the fucking park. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, as long as it's enough for people like we just said to be like, oh, I'm gonna watch out for this person, um, and you know, see what they do next. That that's great, and that's exactly what this movie did. Because again, I was I was glued to that TV. I was wondering what was going on. I was 100. Yeah, you and I both really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, it's just you know we're here to point out if we see 
anything that could have been improved. 100%. I mean, yeah, that is our literal job, yeah. is to analyze and critique film. Exactly. <laughs> the acting in this was very good. Yes. That is one of the, like, um, again, with people I'm keeping an eye on, uh, Naya Mulger is definitely mm-hmm. someone I'm keeping an eye on. She was very good in this. She was giving me... Like Alia Shawcott and Search Party vibes. Oh yeah, like even when the person is unreliable as a protagonist or a narrator, I still felt for her. I was very sad the entire time for her. Yeah, I I just think that she is just so tortured by this trauma that happened when she was younger, and I just I I feel so I feel so bad. I feel like yeah, she does a really great job of making you really feel for. Yeah, no, she really she she nailed the character. Mm-hmm. I I could feel how much she took it and just made it hers. Mm-hmm. Like her physicality is so good in this. Yeah, where she's not a small person but feels small. Yeah, you know, like she's probably about your size, the actor, and she makes herself just feel very small. Does that make sense? Like she's taking a. Instead of taking up space, she's reducing the amount of space she can take up. Yeah, and that, I think, is is in line with the characterization of Enid. And then I really... We only get him for a second, but Adrian Schiller, as the director of Frederick North, was really solid. Yeah. He did a good job of being, like, creepy, but not a creep. Mm-hmm. You know? And then uh, uh, Sophia Laporta, as Alice Lee, was fantastic as well. Yeah. That was my friend. Charles, you killed my friend. <laughs> yeah, so okay, I wanna I wanna just walk through like the back half of this movie here. Yeah, let's let's dive into that. So okay. So starting from when uh what's his rape face um <laughs> comes in and like uh and and like winks at her and you know is like Doug Smart, yeah. Doug Smart, that guy. Um the producer mm-hmm. and says he specifically wants you to watch this. Right. He wants a quote unquote woman's eye on it, mm-hmm. I, which I think is a load of bullshit. Um, but he wants her to watch it. There are other women that work there. Yes. He wants her to watch it. She watches it. It parallels her trauma as a child. Yes. So therefore she goes and seeks him out and then learns, you know, that he's doing a sequel, blah, blah, blah. We covered this in the plot section here. All of this shit happens uh, where producer guy dies and she immediately dissociates and says, thank you for the whiskey. Um, yes, I'm going to go yes, now. Yes, I forgot to mention that moment. Oh, my God. It's There's so good. There's some, like, good. comedic, like, little, like, teeny tiny nuggets of, it's like, almost, it's, it's funny. It's almost comedy, but it's more terrifying than it is funny. Yes. Like, it's, we've always said comedy and horror live in the same space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what kind of beat you put in. But that is one that, like, in a black comedy or dark comedy or something like that, it would be hilarious in that moment. In this movie, I was like... You're busy being horrified. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. She's not going to be well ever again. Yeah. (laughs) And then... Okay. So then she goes and finds this movie set. Yes. Where they say, you're late. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to already be on location mm-hmm. why does it all so leading up to this it feels like it's all premeditated and then she's gaslit you know up I, until the yeah. point where she completely like 
fucks Charles, world up, kills him, kills the thing inside of it, whatever the fuck that was. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was a hallucination or, you it know. It 100% was. Like, I don't know. Horror leaves you guessing. But She also cuts the director's head off. We mentioned we didn't mention oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's true. She fucking decapitates Frederick North. So it... It in a, and maybe it's because it's it's in her it's from her perspective and she's an unreliable narrator. But from my perspective as an audience member, I'm thinking like she got set up for all of these things. It was premeditated. Like all like there there were just too many deliberate things that happened. And then she shows up here, kills two people, and feel it feels like she's gaslit. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Like, um, there, and I think it's only because it's from her perspective. Yeah, it, it's a little uneven in that moment. Um, it reminds, there's an Always Sunny episode that they do that to uh, Sweet D, where they convince her that she's become like a major uh, comedian and like has a bunch of success because she's depressed. And then they reveal that it was all fake at mm-hmm. the very end of the episode. And she's like, just they're like trying to push her over the edge oh god <laughs> it's horrible but it's it feels like that right where yeah. it's it does feel very weird that she just shows up and they're like yeah come on you don't need to ask your name just come on you're here we don't need your id we don't need like anything mm-hmm. no like they don't you... even ask her what her name is no they don't there's no like oh did you get the sides oh are you red like all of this shit there's there's no confirmation that she's not just some crazy lady wandering around in the woods. Exactly, yeah. Even she doesn't even say the name of the movie. Yeah. Like she says is this the Frederick North film starring Alice Lee? That's some stalker shit. Yeah. That's creepy as fuck. Yeah. You better believe I would never be I would not be letting that person on my fucking set at all. Let alone handing them a real axe. That too, man. <laughs> Why was the axe real? Yeah. And all of these things just led up to absolute destruction. But we got a really cool, visually fun film, which we haven't even talked about how cool the lighting is in this film. Oh, the light, the color theory in this movie is fantastic. All of the red and there's red and blue. And then there's an orange and what was the companion of the orange? Is green? I'm bad at at colors. (laughs) Something like that. But... um, Anyhow, so yeah, no, there's a lot of really, really amazing color play throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, and red and blue is always like when she's losing her shit. Yeah. It's even in the poster, like you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's supposed to be like a throwback to like 3D glasses. Oh, that became sure. Big. Yeah. Um, when you, a lot of times when you have like a movie that's set in this time period, when you have red and blue, it's supposed to um, sort of pick that nostalgia up for you. Yeah. Uh, make you think of that time. Um, but no, the color and lighting in this is so, so good. It was super well lit. Um, I did love that they shot it on film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not shot digitally. It was 35 millimeter, which, fuck yeah. Didn't you say that that is like discontinued or they Certain don't? 35 millimeters are. Okay. So we were just, to, right after this, we watched the first episode of the new season of Euphoria. Because we needed a little pick-me-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's something wrong with us. <laughs> not not the darkest show on television since The Wire. <laughs> hey, listen, I threw Queer Eye out there and you were like, no, I want Euphoria. So. I don't want spoilers. Queer Eye doesn't, can't be spoiled for me. I'm going to cry no matter what. That's Euphoria. true. That's the spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bobby's going to work real hard. And we're barely, barely going to see him in the episode because he's building a fucking house. <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the new season of Euphoria, they 
got Kodak to start making their own. The, it's, a, it's a specific Kodak 35 millimeter that had been discontinued. Oh, gotcha. So not 35 in, t- in total. Like there are, they still make some 35 millimeter, but it's a classic uh, film stock. Yeah. And it's really fucking great stuff to shoot on. That's why they, that's why um, Sam Levinson from Euphoria is like, I want 35 millimeter for this season. Mm-hmm. And it, it has a feel to it. Yeah. Um, specifically, it does reference older films or like yeah. now older, like 40, year, 40 years ago is what you, you would shoot on 35. Mm-hmm. Um, they also use Super 8, one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. And they did VHS as well. Um, it's fucking awesome that they did that. I cannot believe I I'm wondering if that's why we don't have a budget for this, because it had to be Maybe. so goddamn expensive to shoot just to buy the film. Yeah. Um, that's why we shoot digital now because it's way the fuck cheaper. Makes sense. Um, that's actually part of the plot of Boogie Nights is like mm-hmm. he wants to keep shooting on film, but uh, they're going to videotape. Yeah. Um, and that's VHS is videotape that that and Betamax. Um, yeah. So yeah, it gives you a really specific feel, and Super Eight is fucking awesome. Um, Isn't it also the name of a motel? It is. <laughs> Uh, that I have stayed at many times. <laughs> there, no relation. Any relation? <laughs> Mr. Super 8's my father. <laughs> my father, the inventor of Super 8 motels and film, would not be too happy to hear about this. I love that. Um, but yeah, Super 8's from Kodak. Uh, it's fucking amazing stuff to shoot on. There's a there's a movie called Super 8 that's produced by... Uh, it's, it's a series of shorts all shot on Super 8 that J.J. Uh, Abrams produced. Cute. So I think it was, I think it, I think it's really great that we had a team of women to work on this movie. 100%. Because of all of the subject matter here, you've got um, censorship. We've got, we, we've got a, a woman having to watch um, traumatic things on screen, which by the way, you know immediately that this was uh, directed by a woman because, uh, because the, the rape scene that, Enid is having to watch we only see the reactions of their faces instead of the focus on the actual rape scene that they're watching which is amazing so well done you immediately know that it's done by a woman when you don't have to watch we both were shouting that out yeah while we were watching I can't believe I forgot to mention that during the plot but yeah it's fantastic yeah so I I can't help but think that that there is some sort of underlying commentary in here the movie stands alone by uh, you know uh, on its own but I, I think it's fascinating when you hear women talk about censorship, especially when it sets, it's set during, you know, like the, Mar- the Margaret Thatcher sure, era, era yeah. and everything, where women have been, have been censored for how long? You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> Long fucking for, time. It's not. It's not forever. Yeah. And it's a huge. It's a huge reason why we don't have as much knowledge on women's medical issues it's you know like mm-hmm. it's 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 a whole the whole reason why um you know neurodivergence is is isn't really uh found in women until much later or it's just now being studied and and right. we're able to diagnose it same thing with reproductive um health and all of all of those things sure um so so the censorship of 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 women and all of that has led to all of this now that we're having to sort through. Yeah, yeah. And I, I everything about this really lands so like you brought up Thatcher, right? 
And everybody made this big deal about like, well, she's the first first woman uh, prime minister of the UK ever, right? Yeah. But she was an awful person, and may she rest in piss. Um, it yeah. was like she got pointed to as like this sort of like it's the word, even though she rejected feminism as a premise, yeah, uh, or as a concept, she was for a long time sort of held up as like a feminist icon, yeah. And I th- and in that she was like a woman in power, like she's the she's the girl boss, boss bitch sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, but she also sent in paramilitary death squads into Ireland, so fuck her. And I think that that's I think that that is uh, specifically a con- that is an. A, mm, I think that that is an explicit contrast that uh, Bailey Bond is making here. That yeah. you see that we're, we're, this is a feminist film. Um, I think no question, right? Yeah, no question. No question at all. It deals with a bunch of other things. But again, you can't, you can't have a, a uh, woman protagonist in a movie called Censor, who is a censor without it being a feminist film. Right. I just don't really see how it, wouldn't be it's yeah it's pretty hard for it not to be um (laughs) so i like i like the contrast there um and the commentary there from bailey bonds so interesting how so the term feminist either means something terrible to people or means something like amazing if you label someone as a feminist it's like Mm. immediately like a golden ticket a golden heart a gold you know what i mean gold star um gold star feminist (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting how now things have evolved and we've been able to look at things in a more nuanced way how a lot of people were like you were just saying like margaret thatcher like feminist like woman in power girl boss boss babe like all of this right but in in a more nuanced way you kind of start to dig underneath it and you're like this isn't great yeah, you know, no. you're able to, <laughs> to look, say the least. Yeah, <laughs> you're able to look at it in a more nuanced way, and I think that that's really cool. You kind of you kind of have to go through that like rah rah feminism, um, sure, um, era, and then you can kind of be like, wait a minute, yeah. the pendulum always swings, right? And you try to find a a, um, a middle point where you can be rational and and kind of make up your own mind about things, right? Fair enough. Yeah. I th- that's that, that's more or less right. I've got different. I've got lots of thoughts on that, but not all for right here. Well, I mean, so like, it's like how when people are like, oh, well, they're a product of their time, but then you can point to like a bunch of other people who aren't like Betty that. White. Yes, yes, <laughs> like an for... unproblematic queen, right? Um, Dolly Parton. Yeah, and so like people who you can look at and go, okay, so they were a product of their time too, but they aren't the ones making all these da- dumbass mistakes. Yeah. And it's not that they're fantastic people. The baseline is not fucking up, right? Yeah. The bar is in hell. Yeah. So you can also look at, you know, people like Angela Davis or Gloria Steinem, who Gloria Steinem's made her mistakes, but she's broadly been ahead of the curve. Right. And it's not about being perfect either. Right. It's about what you do when you make a mistake. Like, I mentioned Dolly Parton, like, two seconds ago, but, you know, we we all heard about um, the, the Dollywood thing where she had... The Dixie, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, what I mean, the, the show, yes. the show at Dollywood. She promptly changed everything, all of the programming in that show. Released an apology, and complete. She, yeah. she changed everything that anyone had a complaint about, and she didn't even try. She didn't try to justify it. She just said, she she basically, in her own words, said. 
uh, no better, do better, and that's yeah. what she did. Yeah, and that's all that we ask for, you know. Yeah, and that's what I. But that's what I mean is like you people can say oh product of their time, but then there's people talking about like why are like in the fucking 19th century before the Civil War, like uh, black people are people and not property, and not only that they should have full rights, and not only that they should live in harmony with us. You know, it's not even like the the yeah. there are very racist abolitionists, right, who of think course, that yeah. who thought that black people were lesser than they shouldn't be enslaved. But yes. then you have other people at the exact same time saying things we say now. And that's what I mean to say that, like, when, yeah. we're, when we're talking about pendulum swinging, if we're talking about, like, we have to go through certain things, we do and we don't. We have to get through the thought process of it, but we don't have to actually do it. Yeah, right? I guess that's like, really more Like, we don't need a Sheryl of... Sandberg or uh, Elizabeth Holmes or something like that, you know? Yeah, I guess that's really more of what I was saying is that we have to... Once the pendulum swings really far one way, we really need, on our way back, we really need to look at it in a nuanced way. Sure. That makes sense. Because yeah. we've been so far, when you start to <laughs> creep back in, you should, you, you, you know more now, so you should 100%. look more in a nuanced way. That's really what I mean. I don't mean that we should stop the pendulum in between and do all these terrible <laughs> things. Right. Or, or less terrible things, but still terrible things. You right. know what I mean? But anyway, I feel like we've gone a little left field we, from Yeah, here. we've kind of lost this the plot was, a bit here. This was, uh, <laughs> this was all my fault. Hey. Um, I apologize. We're here for tangents. I I apologize, um, but yeah, overall, I would I would say certainly certainly would recommend this movie. I'm again going to certainly put this put um, the director's name on my list. I will be watching whatever she puts out next. Yeah, um, I will say like in my kind of final thoughts about this movie, uh, Kevin Marr for the Times said uh, it's all context and no content. And yeah. I kind of have to agree. Yeah. Um, we I get don't a lot disagree, of, yeah. yeah, we get a lot of like, this is what's happening, but we, it, it's, it's very tell don't show. Yeah. And we all know how we feel, how we feel about that. Show me, don't tell me. Right. Yeah. Or if you're going to tell me, not show me, tell me in a way that shows me. Yeah. Um, that's, I think this, the, the lesson that this movie needed to learn and that the writers needed to learn was show, don't tell. They're yeah. telling us that Enid's, Enid's past is fucked up. They're telling us that she's got trauma. They're telling us that she's done this before and all these things. They're not giving it to us, though. That's true. And that's what I was trying that's to get at earlier. At is that it, I yeah. really, yeah. Like, I think it's a solid attempt. It's a solid first try. Give her more money and a better script. Yeah. And let's go. You know, like I like we said, we are absolutely going to, to uh, keep... The premise of this is brilliant. The premise is so smart. The execution is just where it lacked a little bit. Yeah, and I really, really... And not even all of the execution, so... Yeah, uh, a lot of the execution was really solid. And then a lot of it wasn't. Uh, (laughs) And so I think it's just um, a great, great premise, a really good idea... And just some of it falls flat. Agreed. I wanted to work with the cinematographer again, for sure. I want to see the Annika, yeah. um, what was it, Annika Stevenson? Summerson. I want to see her work with Annika Summerson again, for sure. I think these two are speaking the exact same language. Yeah, it could be a beautiful partnership. Yeah, especially in that the final scene, which we didn't even really talk about that much. With uh, when it's the intercuts, yeah. and we've got a brand new, it doesn't even look, that's when they use the Super 8. Yep. Uh, but it intercuts with Alice Lee, like begging for her life, and like we see like uh, uh, like quick little cigarette burns of uh, skulls and like 
blood and like listen i love a full circle even if it's a horrifying awful full circle yeah and this movie comes full circle she thought that her sister was abducted this whole time and then she abducts someone else Mm -hmm. it's fucking great it's really solid and i just wanted some more like there's the nice parallels with the 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 house that they were playing in in the Mm -hmm. woods and where they where she was taken and then the trailer when she drives up to the movie set how fucking scary is that? That you could just be like playing in your like kind of backyard, like the woods when mm-hmm. you're a kid and someone can just be like, ha ha. <laughs> like, that's so scary. Yeah, just deuces. That's mine now. <laughs> like leaving her sister for dead. Sheesh. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's, that's the content that I wanted though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of like. I want to wonder more if Enid killed her because that was the thought I was having. Like, oh, is she just repressing that or did her sister just die in the woods? And she's like, because she's so traumatized, just convinces herself that no. She's still alive. Right. Oh, yeah. There, there are a lot of. That's, um, that's the bit. That's the meaty bits. And I want the meaty bits. Mental Olympics here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's a lot. But uh, yeah, I, uh, that pretty much wraps up my thoughts on this that and yeah you feeling good yeah i feel good go watch this movie on hulu um, yeah, it's on hulu. and yeah definitely keep an eye out uh for more from prano bailey bond yeah if you liked saint maud you'll like this one yeah i would and say saint maud's better but this is it's this is solid this is still good solid recommend so you guys know where to find us we're on instagram at horror babes podcast we're on twitter at horror babes pod and we have a website horrorbabespod.com. if you're Correct. enjoying us please go rate us on itunes give us a rating review and as give always, me a little treat little note so that i can read there you go um and as always our dms are open if you have any requests or submissions anything you would like to hear us blab about for an hour till next time bye, bye babes, babes. Yeah, babe.